All right, let's do it. Welcome to Touch Podcast. This is Ryan. And this is Nate. And today, our guest is a wonderful close friend of mine, Charney Cassell. And she's also a close friend of Ryan's. Um, She's pretty much a colleague of ours. We've hung out many times, and we're so delighted to have her on here so you guys can hear her too. Out on the West Coast, Charnica Cell is an LMFT, a trauma-trained psychotherapist and sexuality coach. Um, she's helped lots and lots and lots of people heal and find pleasure in their bodies for over two decades. She's First, she was a sex educator and store clerk at Good Vibrations, and then as a master somatic coach and body worker and a licensed psychotherapist. And um, she also teaches sexuality classes, body wisdom workshops, trauma and resilience training. And she hosts a great podcast uh, called The Late Open Podcast. And she shares lots of really fun and crazy stories and her wisdom as a sex therapist and some really uh, really meaningful exercises too in those episodes. So Charna, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Happy to see your faces. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. And I love that, uh, Charna, we mentioned to some of our guys in our guys group um, mm-hmm. about your podcast. Um, yeah. One of them has listened to every episode because he loves it so much. And mm. I, I just think you bring a wonderful splash of uh, just ref- refreshment when it comes to sexuality, uh, because you have such you have such a um, a childlike innocence about it. That's just wonderful to be around. Thank you. I'm s- openness. Thank you. Yes, I um, I'm curious to hear about your men's group. What what kind of men's group is this? Ooh. Men, 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 men. So this men's group is a collection of um, just hand-picked friends from my circle and Ryan circles, just to try mm-hmm. out um, as a format before we replicate. Yeah. And um, yeah, and we all come we all come from the same period background, but ended mm-hmm. up in different places. Got it. So that there's yeah. So mm-hmm. go ahead. We meet once a week on Wednesday night. Via Zoom, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the and the background that you share is around um, religion and chastity culture, and and wherever you're in different places in that, or you're all still part, or some of some people are still part of that, or yeah, we're at different points. Um, some mm-hmm. of them are still working in church. Some of them have are in the middle of their deconstruction <clears throat> and mm-hmm. are not even referring to Christianity anymore um, mm-hmm. and but we're all we're all on the same side of 40 pretty much and um, reflecting on how we were taught with where things are now but when we get together we pretty much just get together as guys we're just like there to connect you know so there's not really yeah. you know more than that but we just we do have that common background yeah I'm happy to hear that we have each other and that you're doing that work Oh, it's all happy feels. And what I love best whenever we hang out, Charna, is I love just finding out how you've been and whatever miss, you know, whatever adventures you've experienced and lessons you've learned. So it's been a while since we've chatted. And oh my goodness. how have you been? It's been like what, maybe like a, a couple of weeks. What's been going on? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <sighs> it's kind of a, a, a loaded, interesting question right now in my life. Um, so, so I, I think as you know, and, and Ryan, it's been a minute since we've seen each other. Um, yeah. So I bought a house a couple of years ago, and I think the process of um, going into that much debt, and in the Bay Area, as many people know, it's it's quite a process to purchase a house. Um, and with COVID and so much need, um, I went from pre-COVID writing or seeing clients three days a week from 10, you know, 10 to seven or 11 to seven, and then writing all these other days. And so there's a really, there was a nice balance that I had going on. Um, even though I hadn't taken a vacation in a year before COVID, I liked the, you know, the writing process. It, it didn't feel like work. And so 
during COVID, I've just, oh, and, and buying a house and doing a remodel, et cetera, all of that. And then trying to work on a book and starting a podcast and all, you know, working so much, I overdid my, overdid it and really needed a vacation. So you have caught me in this beautiful little, like starting last week, half the week and all of this week I'm taking off. So I have this level of spaciousness, which is this beautiful thing to get to see so many friends and to work in my garden and plant trees and harvest vegetables. And it happened to coincide with uh, connecting with someone. Uh, I started, I met a firefighter two years ago on, on a dating app mm. and we chatted a lot. Uh, so we'd have these like long conversations. Uh, we're both over <laughs> over 40, so we would actually be on the phone, not with, just with our thumbs. Um, and got to you know, we got to know each other, but but he was in a phase of separation that was newer in his, his with his wife, and so now he's in a very different place. So, anyways, the timing worked out that we actually met in person for the first time. So I've been in a, a whirlwind. Um, you know like spend you know our first date was 15 hours of talking here at my house and he's been staying with me all week and it's been very sweet wow and um two years and, and then you met in person yeah i mean and we've stayed you know we've stayed in touch like he'd made me some beautiful copper pounded hoop earrings for christmas like out of nowhere he sends them to me like we stayed connected and but not i didn't think we were ever going to meet and um, I really thought it was going to be a workcation, like I was going to stay here and get all this creative work done that I hadn't, you know, like write this piece and blah, 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 work on curriculum. So that's how I'm doing is I'm feeling, you know, that feeling of, of being in, in love where you just feel so open and like everything's pulsing and there's turn on with absurd things like watching them chop celery and, you know. And I can feel that with God to bring it back to this topic that you are focused around. Like for me, it's, I have absolutely felt completely in love and vibrating through meditation. So it's either my, my relationship to God, my relationship to the creative process. I felt that way from writing and I've felt that way being in love with a human. Um, mm. And it's been maybe, a, it's been a while since I've felt in love with a human like that feeling of like <gasps> you know you're so that's it's a nice it's a you know there's a little caution but there's just like a even if this is fleeting i don't know how what this will be but i'm just going to enjoy the feeling well, that's wonderful yeah. that's really nice yeah. that's a long answer that is it was a long answer but it was a really good Thanks. one it was the right answer by the way. <laughs> just mm. stars stars <laughs> a plus got it yeah, right love it Give it, give it to me. Uh, I want all the stickers. I have you. It seems like to me, being an old married guy, that but with lots of single friends, and single again friends yeah. that, with the pandemic starting to lift and people being able to to mingle in real life and have physical contact with people again, that. Um, that that things are sort of love is, seems to be blossoming around us. I know here in in, in our area indicator. Mm. Um, do, do you have you have you seen that in your practice? You know, <clears throat> I've seen a blossoming of more COVID cases lately among oh, <laughs> among gosh. people. But um, yes, we are on the the front end of another spike as we talk. Yeah, unfortunately, I I, I still managed to not get it. Um, and, uh, but in terms of like new love, I mean, of course it's spring, right? Um, but I haven't, I mm. haven't really seen that yet. I mean, I've, um, so, but I, I hope that, I hope that happens for people. I do have a lot of, mm -hmm. a, a number of single friends and I can't say that they're in that experience right now. Um, yeah. So, like, as an old married guy, I don't know anything. No, about... I love your, I love your projection. <laughs> I was right. It was my hypothesis. I love your projection. I don't think it's right. I, th I would love it. I would love it for everybody to be finding. Love. I think that I think you, ha yeah, it's like you live vicariously 
you know, when you're in a long-term relationship, you, you got to get your, your woo-woos from somebody. You're like, come on, guys, get with it, can it? Yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> okay, now let's tell some sex stories. <laughs> Vicariously, get it? Yes, how's, yes. How's the kid? How, the dating, the dating sex yes. stories. In your practice, you must um, work with a lot of different kinds of people who are dealing with a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. And and so, what kind of things are you seeing as a sex therapist, trauma informed sex therapist? People are coming to you about what sorts of things? Yeah. Oh my gosh, there's such such a range, and I think I want to clarify something in terms of you know, how I'm defining sexual trauma. And this is what the focus of this book that I've been working on is, um, is broadening the definition, right? So often people think of sexual trauma as uh, sexual assault and child sexual abuse. And um, the way that I conceive of it, there's also um, living with, you know, growing up with a mentally ill parent, um, a drug addicted parent, um, racism, homophobia, all these things that constrict our level of self-expression in order to be safe or to be connected. And we go inside, they're like, you know, you, you have to be careful for whatever reason, um, but make yourself smaller. And that restricts your life force and your breath and your choices. Um, and so all these seemingly disconnected or unconnected, not you know, not directly related to sex things impact how we show up sexually, right? And how, what we allow ourselves to express, which is our aliveness. So really I think of myself as in the business of being in, in it, like helping people become more alive. So that said, there are a lot of people that come to me. Some it's, you know, mismatched, mismatched sexual connection or drive or if they've been in together for 30 years and they want to be more connected and want to bring the spark back um, often, or it, you know, it could be someone who has a, who's had <clears throat> one huge uh, sexually traumatic assault or child sexual abuse, very, very common among men and women. Um, and it could be vicarious trauma. It could be somebody who doesn't even see or know that that's what it's about. And in their present relationship, they're dealing with, uh, I don't like this term sexual dysfunction, but it's used clinically. Um, <clears throat> like I would say the body has a wise way of expressing itself and trying to get your attention. And, um, and, and it's not working in the way that you want it to, you know? So somebody could be, um, having a symptom that they want to go away because they don't like how what's showing up. And underneath it, it's not just about their sexual relationship to their partner. They're, let's say I'll use a concrete example, like vulvodynia or erectile, quote unquote, dysfunction. <laughs> um, not being able to maintain an erection or losing it um, or not being able to get hard to begin with. Um, and then we're really, I'm looking at what the body is really saying what's what's the emotional component and the psychological component behind these things and so for one person it could be oh it's a vicarious trauma it's a trauma that doesn't belong to me that i've been carrying in my body my sister was raped or my mother was raped or there's uh, a religious you know like your cultural or religious or familial conditioning and belief systems that impact the body so there's so it's a wide ranging uh, group of people that come out to find me. Yeah, I re well, and Charney, you have a reputation of being able to so eloquently and gently talk about the most intimate and graphic sexual details that real people are thinking about <laughs> and experience, which I think therapists tend to be able to be you know, be able to not hide under a rock of shame and can just really go out there. But I, and I have heard, heard, read your stuff and have heard your podcast. And I will agree with that reputation of yours, which is you really can just slip right into, all right, guys, let's talk about what we're really talking about. <laughs> and talk about sex. Um, it's really refreshing. Mm, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I will say that unfortunately, uh, 
so many therapists actually are very uncomfortable talking about sex and there's mm. so little training. I was actually appalled when I was in grad school about um, with, the, with the amount, like 12 hours of training or something absurd. We, couple, we had two. another guest mm-hmm. talk about that too, that there was basically no, like yeah. one one day of one class kind of thing. Right. It was like a two day, or it was one. like a, a weekend workshop or something, you know, two days. Yeah. And, and um, same with doctors, you know, and so it's not, and very, very, very base level introduction and working at Good Vibrations for years, the degree, the, the amount of training that was required of us there. Um, really is where I got my uh, my sea legs in the sex world um, talking about all that with just ease, you know, like being able to really neutrally talk to someone about um, um, cock rings and dildos and, and pleasure and having your first orgasm at 80 and et cetera, right? Um, just a real that, ease there. That's fantastic. It, it makes me think that maybe... Um, a lot of different professions should do like an internship or an externship at a sex store. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it maybe, you know, in, in ministry circles, we have clinical pastoral education, CPE, which is, you know, training at it's chaplaincy training, but it's intense. You're supervised. You do a lot of writing and reflection and reading as you do it. Mm-hmm. And that would be an interesting CPE clinical site would be mm-hmm. a, would be a sex toy shop. Yeah, well, I think Good Vibrations specifically, and there might be others, Good Vibes Now is a franchise that used to be a worker-owned co-op. And there was tremendous amount of uh, education that was required. Um, Mm -hmm. But um, SPICI is another, it's like a a sex information hotline that gives you an equivalent amount of training that I understood back in the day. Um, And I think, yes, I, I, there, that as well as trauma training. I mean, you know, so many teachers, um, teachers and doctors and nurses, they don't have trauma training. Um, and so they don't understand what's happening for people on a nervous system level um, and don't relate to them in, in ways that it's like, oh, let's just put a, that kid in the ADHD, class, you know, like special ed versus like, wait, no, it's actually what's happening at home. And there's some understanding, but there's not a way to navigate it. And then they're vicariously, their nervous systems are impacted. Um, so yes, yeah, so much more training would cross pollinating uh, fields would be really great. And, and something that always made an impression on me whenever we hung out is whenever we talked about sexuality and spirituality, because mm-hmm. you and I are trying to, we have different backgrounds. I'm come from a very um church church background where I, my family were deeply involved with church they taught me about christianity and i was involved with purity culture and so i i um sex was very ashamed and um and tell us a little bit about how your background's a bit different and how that you think has helped you with your work yeah um so i grew up uh without you know my mom was Jewish by birth, dad, Protestant by birth, both identified as Buddhist. Um, my Neither of them ever got married to anyone currently or to each other. And so there was never, there wasn't a lot of expectation and pressure around the structure of, of family or religion or any of that. Um, and there was, so there wasn't direct shame, but I think my father had a lot of internalized um, you know, he had his own internalized shame. My mom tells the story that my dad denies, which is like, you know, they were together for four and a half years. And so every time pretty much she's like, I got pregnant every time we had sex, which was four times. And, and that my dad would stop in the middle of sex and be like, I don't deserve pleasure. So there's clearly some internalized shame coming from somewhere that, that he had. Um, and then with my mom, you know, so again, just to, to clarify my orientation, I believe that we, uh, there's something called um, perinatal psychology. Um, so that's, that relates to your in utero experience as well as your birth experience. And then I also believe in, you know, there's, there's um, epigenetics, which it's, it's recognizing what we inherit on a genetic level, uh, the, the kinds of trauma that gets passed down, right? So 
whether it's around slavery or uh, a parent being sexually assaulted or just, just family dynamics, how it shows up on a, a subconscious level and you carry on their belief systems about themselves. So my mom had suffered an extreme sexual assault in her early 20s. And then, you know, when you have a parent who has had that and there's drug addiction, um, they can't be present in the same way that you might want to be for a child, right? And to protect them. And so I had a lot of trauma throughout my childhood, starting in utero onward. Um, and, but it's, but what has, I've gotten from that what I really believe is uh, it's given me a deep gift of attunement and capacity and empathy and a knowledge of how to heal from sexual trauma mm. um, and how to understand people's nervous systems and how to have compassion for everyone's experience. My mother's including, you know, it's like mine as well as hers. Um, and so, yeah, it very much shaped me and, and, and I, I think that I was, so this is a bit of my spiritual orientation. Um, and it's a tricky one. I had to do a lot of work to make peace with this, but this idea that, you know, even all these traumatic events, they were kind of preordained in a certain way because I meant to do a certain, this is putting me on my path to do a certain kind of work and giving me the tools to process through and struggle through in this human body um, and to spiritually evolve so that I can be of service. So mm. that's how I hold all that. And I, thanks so much for sharing a lot of those intimate details. I know, um, you know, especially when you're sharing about family history, um, the way you are so matter of fact about it and how you approach it, I think teaches so much just in how we hear your emotion mm. and how you handle it. And mm -hmm. so thank you for that. And what I think what makes your background so beautiful to me is because I'm coming from, I look at my background very religious with, with trauma. And, and mm -hmm. you come from, your background to me as a growing up Christian, I would say, oh, not Christian, but also you would say that there's, there's trauma. And when we discussed about religion, you had some really, really strong, uh, really strong thoughts on how religion can also... Uh, cause trauma or there can be some confusion there um, and, and mm -hmm. how shame can be in there as well and how we can get some things confused there. Um, I would yeah. love to hear, I'd love to give, you, give, give them a chance to hear from you about, about how, how you see that with religion and, and trauma, right. what you see there. Sure. So um, I have seen clients for over 20 years and what I have come across repeatedly is that it doesn't take a, it doesn't take child sexual abuse or sexual assault for the same symptoms of child sexual abuse or assault to live in the body. And I see that, uh, you know, whether it's Catholicism or fundamentalist Christianity, or even, you know, um, or being an Orthodox Jew, all these things can live in the body and present because there's shame, right? What happens with shame is there's a constriction in the system, um, compression, uh, a stopping of sensation. There's a, it's a response to powerlessness, right? Um, and there's the belief that I'm bad. And so mm -hmm. why it's so common for, for children or rape victims to go into a place of shame and self-blame is if, at least if I, you know, if I, if I could think to myself, well, I should have run, I should have said no, I should have done these things. If there's, if there's that, there's at least there's a false sense of power. Like I could have done something to prevent this. Yeah. So that's where it's super common among sexual trauma, like that kind of sexual abuse. Um, and then you look at religion and there's so much disdain for the body and um, what the body represents and, and the feelings and the desires and the emotions and the questions and the expansiveness in a way um, of what of what bodies connecting with bodies can bring. And um, and so when that gets shut down, right, just as I was talking about sexual trauma earlier, it's like constriction versus aliveness. You know, I've had uh, clients 
a client who, for instance, who was, who was raised Catholic and she just asked questions and it was like, no, it's like, you're not supposed to question things. And she'd come to me because she was having extramarital affairs, right? She was having so much shame around the cheating and around the, the sexual exploration. And so I really believe if you don't, if you don't, if you don't allow something, it's going to come out sideways. And that's known as the shadow in psych psychological terms, right? Look at, look at, uh, Mm -hmm. um the degree of abuse in the catholic church right it's like okay we're not going to allow something we're going to make it wrong and we're going to cut ourselves off from an impulse which is human human and human impulse and it will come out sideways yeah that's that's very helpful i and i was struck when you told that story about your dad because i think we particularly in religious circles we think of women as carrying all the shame mm -hmm. and i mean certainly you know our puritanical chastity based abstinence only sort of shame based teaching by a lot of churches has mm -hmm. disproportionately harmed women mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. i i was struck that you told that story about your dad because i'm i'm guessing you encounter quite a few men who are dealing with issues of shame that's caused that's that's a traumatic experience oh yeah part I mean, of a traumatic you know upbringing yes and and also because of because of my work which i've been in for you know uh for so long any of my dating once i started dating men so i you know part of my history is that i actually didn't start having uh you know as i call it piv penetrative sex with men until my late twenties, but you know, I, I dabbled in dating them through high school and so on. Um, and I've been the first person that so many men, so many men I've gone on dates with, um, even if it was just like a very short lived dating thing have told that they were sexually abused as mm. children. Right. And so we know that it's a very conservative estimate that one in three women are sexually abused one in two developmentally disabled adults are sexually abused one in six men are sexually abused. this is all before like i think the age of 18 and that and and then apparently it's doubled if in the um among black women like those rates mm. uh, higher rates in certain cultures and and remember that so many people don't even, because of the shame don't even talk about this stuff and they never report it so you can imagine that it's even way higher right sure um, and so, especially for men, because men are trained out of their emotions, out of their feelings. They're not supposed to attune to themselves, yet they're expected to attune to with their female partners if they have female partners, which is so unfair. Um, and, and, you know, so you're trained out of your, I've had male clients who can't cry. They want to, and they physically, mm. like they're the bands of fascial armoring around their eyes and necks and jaws everything is hardened and they they're literally like eh! like uh, like so it's like imagine you're physically constipated i call it being emotionally mm. constipated mm. and their bodies forget how to cry wow um and so conditioning as a man is its own form of I, it's a social it's a form of social trauma yeah right i when when someone comes to you um Let's say a man comes to you and for presenting whatever, mm -hmm. what, what clues you in that this guy might be dealing with, um, but shame and as a result of a traumatic upbringing or a, tra a so, or a particular experience. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, you know, I will say that in a lot, a lot of times, like what motivates a man to come in just alone to see me may be uh, premature ejaculation, not being able to stay or get hard. Um, so it might be something very specific and like, okay, let's, you know, I just want to address this thing. And then it's like this beautiful unveiling of, of how it's connected to all this other stuff, right? Um, I'm sorry, can you ask your question again? What? Yeah, so, and thank you, I mean, that, rings really true to me like in knowing some guys who've gone to therapy it's like there's one little thing 
that and maybe his friends and his spouse has encouraged yeah. him to kind of go, well, why don't you go talk to a therapist about mm-hmm, this? Mm-hmm. One little thing, right? Yeah. But underneath that one little thing is this whole story and all these complicated things. And so my my question is basically like what sort of what happens in the therapy session that make clues you in to the fact that um no, I mean yeah in addition to your like regular therapy mm-hmm, skills like mm-hmm. clues you into this guy might be is it has been experiencing a deeper shame or deeper trauma yeah i mean you know so one of the things that i do with people is i'm doing nervous system education i'm looking i'm looking for so people tend to be in these two different camps and there's so much you know it's obviously more complicated than this but i'm looking at um there's a tool called the window of tolerance that you can google and look up this chart and it's looking at hyper and hypo arousal um, and when you're out of your window hyper arousal is an increase in sensation and that's where things like anxiety um you know rage turn on excitement live and hypo arousal which is more numbness depression sleepiness and paralysis live and so when you're in your window you're this wise resourced um you can think clearly um you know you it's it's a good place for learning it's having perspective and when you're out of your window you are um you're triggered in some way and so you're in the past you're you're five again you're imagine like a film projector something happens really quickly you don't know that you're triggered necessarily and you have all these very intense very likely disproportionate feelings about the present moment right um and so in that that state of some people will just go right into hyperarousal other people may not even recognize that they're anxious or overwhelmed and then they drop into that paralyzed depressed sleepy place right and so what i'm doing when i'm sitting with someone is i'm looking for and trying to understand what's their relationship to emotions what permission do they have for what emotions um how do they live their life are they wanting more regulation in terms of a calmer state of being or are they are they looking for more aliveness and more vibrance and so they've come to me because something isn't working for them and one of the first pieces that i try to do with people is if they need immediate tools like through breath work or some you know tools to to calm themselves or for be more connected i give those but then um could what are you, you going to say? Go ahead. Could you give us an example of one of those exercises? If let's say one of let's say we were going to have a um, a an experience, a traumatic experience, mm-hmm. um, in an everyday thing, but we don't know it's a traumatic experience. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything like that 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 you've picked up on with working with all these men who've learned to not ever listen to their bodies at all you know um, for for men who are so disconnected from their bodies mm-hmm. um, they may not even know what trauma feels like they may be traumatized all mm. the time um, right so, well you know it's an in- yeah go ahead oh, no that I, I guess what's the starting point for someone like that Ooh, Charna's gonna answer that question right after this quick commercial break. Nate and I are facilitating men's groups that are starting up this fall. You can go to our website, touchpodcast.com to find out more information. You can find links to sign up for our newsletter and just other opportunities for you to be a part of this healing community. We have events going on throughout the year that we're putting on the schedule right now. Um, And so we'd love for you to be a part of what we're doing and we want to hear your voice so uh, you can also from our website give us a call leave us a voicemail or a text and we can talk about that on the show if you want us to okay so charn has really great things to say and we're gonna go right into it her answer comes right now well again it's it's like so one person i mean i've had male clients where unless my hand so i do body work non-sexual touch fully clothed like laying on on a massage table they may i may have them increase their breath bringing more oxygen into the body helps you feel more but unless my hand is literally on their body uh they may not be able to feel anything like that level of numbness and and so 
we we assume we assume because we're all walking around as humans that people are having the same experience as we are inside skin but that's absolutely not true so one person is completely numb my hand is on their body and they can barely feel themselves another person they are so dysregulated and feeling so much they are on the verge of a panic attack mm -hmm. so the, the exercise would be very different depending on the state that someone is coming to me right. from and in and so uh, the process of thawing out numbness and feeling underneath usually there's like a, a big uh, layer of anxiety that's underneath all that numbness so it's intelligent oh this is where my, my previous thought the, the usually people are critical of something that's going on with themselves and they want it to go away mm -hmm. and what i feel and see is very essential is making friends with and acknowledging the intelligence of all of ourselves all of our parts even the part that you want to make wrong and you want to go away it has served you or you wouldn't be doing it mm. right and so that symptom or that behavior you have to acknowledge and appreciate how it has actually taken care of you and how it was essential before it can shift before there can be transformation. And that's a real hard one. So depending on how long that takes, it could take years for some people and other people, they get it. Mm -hmm. But but if there's enough shame because of religion, sexual trauma, et cetera, it's like there's a holding on to the belief that they're, I am bad mm. and that this is not okay and bad things will happen and I'll get hit if I say this or whatever it is. And so the more that someone is primed or ready to go like oh my god that's totally if i hadn't been able to do that thing like dissociate or hadn't been able to fight back or hadn't been able to you know dot 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 i see then, i see a lot too with yeah. men they they'll go out with their buddies and drink it's sort of a numbing instead of going yes. home and being having some moments of silence or having to be present with their partner you know, it's this yes. like, or obsessive compulsive sports stuff that this is my assessment. And with a couple guys I know is how they, they are able to completely avoid having to address anything like that. Right. And so you can look at that, you can go, okay, so there's self-medicating going on. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a, that's a flight response, overuse, overindulgence in drugs, alcohol, uh, television, you know, it, even even suicidality is a flight response. It's basically going, I don't want to feel this feeling. I want to get away from it. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and and part of that is I don't know how to be with feelings. I wasn't trained how to do that. I wasn't taught how to do that. I feel like I'll die if I be with this feeling. So can we appreciate and acknowledge the context of being conditioned as a man mm. into not being able to be with feelings? Right. And so then there has to be that has to be that education, that understanding that something even first awareness of like, oh, I exist in a in a global experience that other men are in and we're trained in this way. And it's going to be different depending on your culture, of course, subtle nuances are more extreme, more rigidity. Um, yeah, 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 I, I, I love how we're describing this because I remember myself as someone who was, um, who was married. Mm -hmm. um, there's so much about this subject that I wanted to talk about, or there are so many different ways how there's many conversations I wanted to have so I could mm -hmm. be seen and I just did not know how to begin. And that felt so stifling and to approach the subject also became, mm -hmm. you know, so, so stifling. And, and I started to develop other things when it was not yeah. uh, drinking or anything like or anything loud like that but i think i started to develop a sense of humor where i would laugh it off a lot and for the longest time it was just kind of kept at a like at a <laughs> type of response and then i would just find my exit and um mm. and i don't think i was aware of mm -hmm. that until you know until um, my divorce and i just spent some time reflecting on my behaviors. Mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. so I think for a lot of men who are out there listening or a lot of women who know men who be out there listening, at least for, for, 
for some men, I would like to say that they may sound disinterested in the subject. If you want to talk with them about sex, they may make a joke or they may even say something that's kind of cutting and, and hurtful. Uh, but I would say that, at least for myself, a lot of those things are just initial reactions, just yeah. uh, reactions of just being afraid and not knowing. It's a trauma response almost. Um, and it's mm-hmm. not, or, or you, perhaps there's a better word you'd use for it. Um, but mm-hmm. um, hearing you talk about all these things, I think, is helping me understand so much of these normal behaviors, which say mm-hmm. so much more. And we may be misinterpreting it when, there are, when they are entry points into the conversation. Right. Well, you're speaking to a bit of kind of, so first of all, there's, there's defensive humor that is very common. That was a big tool in my family. That's, uh, that's that was... my favorite tool, my toolbox. <laughs> I love it. It's red. It has a red handle and a bow on it. Yep. Um, and uh, yeah, that was that was huge in my family. Um, and so it's it's uh, it's pushing the person away. It's evading. It's getting away from. And then there's also minimizing and uh, being defensive. Those are also and and uh, and denying. These are all other tools that people use, right? To not have to feel and be with. Um, parents often when there's, they're confronted with a history, like how your parenting impacted me, a go-to tool is, is denial or defensiveness. And you have to know that there's a lot of shame and powerlessness of, I can't go back in time and change that. That was a result of how I was parented that arises for parents. Right. Um, and so men are very much conditioned to minimize and dismiss and not be the initiators of emotional contact and communication. And, um, and we have to be taught, we have to be taught how to do things, right? And if we're not given the opportunity, why would we know how to do anything different? Uh, I, I would say um, from this conversation, you were when you were talking first about this connection you made, this beautiful new connection, and when, mm-hmm. you're, when you're making these connections, how um, in the beauty of lovemaking, you can feel totally alive and present and, and mm-hmm. awake. And that reminds me of the scripture verse that's describing the, the top of the Ark of the Covenant, which is describing the space between two cherubs, between these two angels. And it talks about how God meets you in that space between mm. the sheriffs. And, and mm. for me, it was such a beautiful picture of, of connection and mm. what it takes to get to connection because some of us, we, it's, it's, a, um, it's a growth progress to be able to connect in a way that you described in this God beautiful way. And mm. um, yeah, and sometimes I think it's that the, I think it's that purity that um, causes my own triggers sometimes. So I just think that's oh, really Oh, interesting. Hmm. It's the purity. Can you say more about that? It, when you say it's the purity that causes your triggers, what is it about the purity and what exactly do you mean when you say purity? Um, um, I would say that the purity, what the purity means to me is it's connecting for the sake of connecting for no other motive both are being authentically present there's no religion or evangelism evolved there's no um ownership or so you, you belong to me involved so you're talking um, about purity as in like a pure thought i mean as in a a distilled experience not purity as in purity culture shame and abstinence oh yeah what i was meaning was the purity of sexuality for what it is versus the the ugliness how it was taught for me to how it was gotcha. taught to me before gotcha. i was married because once right. i was married and, i couldn't separate it and so this that's why it's, i i liked the fact that you use that word because it has this double meaning right it has this thing of that that was put on you right? Purity culture that you were trained into and that there's these subconscious, but there are these beliefs that you took as facts and you ran with them and you lived a whole portion of your life based in them. But then there's this thing that almost has, but the beauty of that is it gives you structure. It's like, these are the rules. If I follow the rules, I'll be a good boy. 
But then here you are in this quote unquote, pure connection state with another human, but it's a different kind of quote unquote purity. And there aren't the rules. It's an allowing and a being. And that is scary for you in some way because you wouldn't get triggered if it didn't. It's like, and that's, that was my question. What, why for you, what do you think? What do you understand? What is so overwhelming in that moment for you? Um, with the purity of the connection. Um, yeah, you said I get triggered. Welcome and... to Nathan Navarro's therapy session. We're, <laughs> we're here listening to Charna and Nathan talk about his experience of purity when he is trying to have a connection with another human being. All right, let's go back to the show. <laughs> let's, let's go back to so the game. Here's what, so here's what happens every night. I need to talk to you about. Um, no, no, no. I, I didn't. No, I, yeah, here I am using humor to deflect. Um, yeah, interesting. I know. Right, Ryan? Okay, no, no, so no. I do want to hear. Now, I want to hear his answer. I want to hear his answer. But turn I was. My attention. Yeah. yeah I, I need, I'm attention seeking. I need. Look at me. Look oh. at me. Okay. Now look at Nathan. No, no. This is great because, like, I don't. I don't have one. I don't have a response. It's just pure emotion. There's blank on the other side. Yeah. Um, but I am. In, okay. So. Mm-hmm. I'll illustrate, I, I, I'll use this moment when you go into a state of blankness, when you can't identify or feel your emotions, or when you feel blank, or you feel fuzzy, or you feel spaced out, that is, that's just, you know, you're dissociating, mm-hmm. right? And right. so, and, and that, um, it's like, oh, there's something in my system that's starting to get overwhelmed. If you start to get sleepy unexpli- un, unexplainably in situations, Often there's sadness or anger. There's something to be felt, but the body is shutting down like a computer. Mm -hmm. So in this moment, Nate, if you're starting to feel blank, you can look around your room, look at your curtains, the floral curtains, look at the thing behind you, notice the colors, feel your feet on the ground, feel your butt in the chair. And as this is orienting, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. You're orienting into present state and space and time. Take a breath into your belly right? Refocus now, 2022, Cinco de Mayo. Yeah. That's yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. So like come back to yourself and you take, take a pause and you can also go, Hey, this is actually too much to, to talk about right now. I started to feel overwhelmed. Right. Look at that. Look at that. It's like, it's like my body just took a breath. Like, mm-hmm. you know, that was really cool. Just giving it that one minute, which normally I, I don't because I'm already out the door by that time. Um. Well, right. So <laughs> that's, wait, the so this is important. The, that's the literal fleeing. <laughs> yes. So I want to just. Uh, wait a I'm minute. Use Hold this on. Oh, man. <laughs> OK, go ahead. Continue. I'm going to use this to illustrate it. Right. So there's the impulse. Like, so people out there, if you're in a relationship with someone who either goes into deflective defensive humor right and then you may right and then you may feel shut down and then you may withdraw (laughs) yeah (laughs) or or the your partner uh walks out and shuts the conversation down like just know it's not necessarily personal it's a habitual response i felt like ryan was trying to actually rescue nate a little bit and, and like he was on the spot and going like, I'm going to protect him, whether it was conscious or not. Like, I'm going to make peace in the family by making jokes, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so we're, we're doing our best. We're doing our best to take care of ourselves and the people we care about. And sometimes it looks mean or it looks discon- It feels like they're disconnecting from you or pushing you away. And there's just different ways that we can regulate ourselves or help co-regulate, you know, help our partners regulate themselves. And sometimes we see things more clearly than they can see themselves and that's useful. And if you Mm. deliver it in a kind way versus like a shaming way, right? And all of these are skills and tools that you can build. That is fabulous. I've I've been in and out of therapy since my twenties. It is Mm -hmm. all which I've always had a good experience. Yeah. And well, except for one experience in some bad Christian couples counseling early on. <laughs> but but once I got referred to like a good therapist who could refer me yeah. to a good therapist, another good therapist. And I think um I uh and it was it was just always really good for me to have a place to process things. Uh 
you know, a neutral source, you know, a, a source of wisdom mm-hmm. in my life and someone who could reflect things back to me, all those, all those good things about therapy. But mm-hmm. like, even like 20 years ago, 20 plus years ago, there were not a lot of guys I knew who were in therapy. And so there, there mm-hmm. is the stigma of, you know, you're going to a therapist cause you're crazy. And then yeah. you're going to a sex therapist cause you don't know how to have sex or, you know, that, that kind of thing where I hope that totally. I hope, but it's more open now. So I hope that guys are, um, starting to feel therapy is certainly more socially acceptable now for good than it was yeah. even just a handful of years ago. Yes. Yes. And I think what you said is important regarding, you know, this, the stigma and, and, and it's, it's like you're going to a sex therapist, you don't have sex. It's like, well, I really think about sex as a microcosm, right? So um, uh, you, you may go for one thing, but you're looking at how does that actually show up that energetic pattern or metaphor? How does it show up in the rest of your life? Mm-hmm. Where else yep. is are you not able to finish? Where else are you mm. not able to um, bring your vitality? Where else are you, you know, and, and so an example, um, a guy called me and he was dealing with uh, not being able to maintain an erection or get an erection. And what we uncovered was that he, um, that was connected to his emotional vulnerability, right? And this is very, very common. And I think I, so many men deal with this, either they actually need to be more emotionally connected um, then they realize in order to get hard or stay hard and they, it feels too emotionally vulnerable and their their penis is having a boundary it's saying i'm not ready mm. i don't want it right now right i'm not it's it's more has to be built here um or um in this particular guy's case it was like i'm leaving town i'm totally in love with you i can't deal with the like I've, I'm moving away. I can't deal with the vulnerability of leaving you. And so I need to shut this part of our connection down. Mm. Right. So our, our bodies will communicate what we don't have language for, or we're not allowing to be fully conscious. And so we want to look to our bodies for the, in, for information, the way you might pray. If you're a religious person, mm-hmm. you can ask your body the way you talk to God. What do you want me to know? How, how can you help me here? What do I need to, how do I need to be with you? That's good. Um, That's good. Yeah. I have a, I have an example. I, I have back pain like every man mm-hmm. and I uh, go to the doctor. The doctor sends me to PT and mm-hmm. the physical therapist does some stuff and then asks me, how does that feel? And this is just like a few weeks ago and I'm walking mm-hmm. up and down the middle area of the, the PT workout area and I'm wig moving my back and I, I, I'm trying to figure out what it is that I I'm feeling. Like I can't even like, what is my body yeah. telling me? What's this? Is mm-hmm. this, does it feel better? I don't think it's worse. Like clearly something's different, but like, I, I don't even have like the, the language, the language to mm-hmm. describe how it's different. Yeah. One of the things that, that comes to mind when you just share that story um, about going like, what is, what's happening with my body? I don't know. Um, it can be, you know, it can be a number of things, but one of the things is not having language to describe our internal experience. Mm. And you can think about how, how do you study a new, a foreign language, right? How do you learn a language? And it's, it's the same thing. It doesn't, you don't expect yourself to know how to speak Spanish without having taken a number of classes and practicing and you need to practice interpreting as well as communicating and describing what's happening internally. So the body, your internal experience, there's sensation and there's emotion. And the sensation comes in the form of temperature, heat, cold, right? Um, In terms of texture, feels like there's, you know, mud in my head or, or, or buzzing bees in my chest Mm -hmm. or it feels like there are these heavy concrete blocks on my feet you know so there's there's a texture there's a metaphor um 
there can be in then energetics, right? The energy of the body, it's like streaming, tingling, pulsing, um, throbbing. Things are tight or things are loose, mm -hmm. right? They could be itchy, they could be burning, they could be, you know. And so when someone's like, what's, what's happening on a sensation-based level, that's, it can be pleasurable too. You could be like, you, it's great to give feedback to a lover and be like, oh my God, when I, you know, when I look at and I touch your skin, this warm heat runs through my system and I feel like my pussy is throbbing and wants to pull you in. I mean, you know, there's so many like beautiful hot ways you can describe your, and if I describe what's happening in my body, you listeners or you guys may have suddenly felt something arise in your system, right? You're like, yeah, I'm not. <laughs> so, Absolutely. so, right? There can be pain, there can be painful sensation and there can be positive sensation. And does it open? Does it want to move forward? Does it want to pull away? And, and again, you have to make move through a lot of numbness to even be able to find that language. But when someone initially, like if someone doesn't have it, I'll give them the options. Is it more this? Like an eye test. Is it more this? Is it more this? Is it more this? Is it more this? Um, you know, then emotions are connected. You tend to live in the torso. And then there's different uh, sensations that accompany different emotional states predictably. Yeah. So it's a whole process of learning that is totally possible, but you have to take it on like a new language. That's fantastic. I think it's what's I think it's really what's really helpful with that, I think, is for for a lot of our listeners or for many of us who grew up in church, sometimes the first reaction we have to anything is going to God. And mm. before we even know what type of emotion we're feeling, we're immediately praying or we're saying something, you know, godly or positive, positive and we're having our mm. Christian ex reaction. Um, mm. And and I think a lot of us may be terrified to simply feel like if we do remove that first Christian reaction, what's what happens next that we don't know what to do. And I think what you just described is a great next step for those of us who've been using Christianity to mask our emotions versus getting deeper into our wounds into our healing wow that's so interesting to me um because i can imagine if i put myself in the shoes of somebody who was raised with that and go like my body and i'm essentially bad so i you know god knows better than me it's it could be dangerous for me to feel into this stuff that could be connected to you know more badness and so i need to just dismiss it override it and mm -hmm. go somewhere else yeah, that's yeah. a dis that's a disassociative tool to be like my anxiety is rising. I better pray about it. Pray, 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 mm -hmm. pray, pray, pray. I can breathe now, and then oh, I'm not so upset about it, and go on with my life. Mm -hmm. Well, on one level, that was that was great that you know you took a moment, you prayed, but it really can be disassociative. Like just being like a it's what we in chaplaincy would call a Holy Spirit smokescreen. It's just like doing some, Ooh. having a ritual or or some language or a thing that you do so that you don't actually have to deal with the, the you know, what's going on behind the smoke screen. Oh, I so, love that. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think that there's, there's a book, uh, David Tree Levin wrote a book. Um, I'm blanking on the name right now, but it's basically looking at, um, how even meditation, right? Like you could be a Buddhist and you could be meditating and oh, how great you have this meditation practice, but it, you could actually be dissociating instead of using the meditation to become closer and more embodied. Hmm. And so I think, you know, spiritual bypassing is what it's also called, right? Oh, right, right, um, right, yeah. And, and so figuring out and learning tools for more embodied spiritual connection and meditation and reflection rather than overriding it and, and, and reactivating your trauma mm. or just reinforcing, reinforcing dissociation. Gosh, mm, so yeah. much good stuff. Talk about a toolbox of terms. We got, we yeah. got, we have Holy Spirit <laughs> smoke screen. We have, um, spiritual avoidance. So many wonderful terms. I got that word wrong. Yeah. Spiritual what? Spiritual bypass. Bypass. Bypassing. Yeah. These yeah. are our like special bypass, words for this. Spiritual week. bypass. 
Yes, Trina, thanks so much for hanging out with us today. Um, this has been an amazing conversation. We hope to have more. And for all our listeners out there, I hope you guys got some really good tools and vocabulary words to help us with these new conversations we've yet to have. Beautiful. Yeah, and and if you're out there, you're thinking about maybe therapy would be good for you, not sure, I highly recommend it. Find a good therapist. Charna, we're, thank you so much. She has a great website, charnacastell.com, um, where you can learn more about her practices mm-hmm. and passionatelife.org. And Late Open Podcast. Yes. And, yes. And you can listen to her Late Open Podcast where she gives so many good nuggets of therapeutic truth. Um, it, I listened to it. It's fantastic. And we have really been honored that you were able to carve out some time to be on touch. Mm, thank you so much. It's good to speak with you guys. And and I look forward to the next time. Yay. Mm-hmm. You want, woohoo. If you want more information on Touch Podcasts, um, yeah, everyone say goodbye to Charna, everybody. Oh, thanks, everybody. Thanks, Charna. Bye, Charna. On Instagram, on Facebook. If you want to email us, email Ryan at ryan.touchpodcast.com or nate at nate.touchpodcast.com. You can find us on Patreon. If you give us uh, some support there and are interested to have a T-shirt, um, that's the one way you can get a free T-shirt. Or if you want to just use the number on our webpage to leave a comment or a question, uh, just give us your permission. We'll be happy to do that. Yeah, and be sure to tell people about this episode. And thanks again, everybody, for joining us for Tech Podcast.